Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, and I'm a contributor at NinerNoise.com. And here with me is a fellow contributor and king of the coronavirus quarantine, Mr. Chris Wilson. Chris, how are you hanging in there, man? I'm doing great during what we thought was going to be the calm before the storm, and it is <laughs> calm outside because no one's outside but it is not calm in Fort Ireland. Yes. And I did end up downloading that countdown app that we talked about last week. Oh yeah. And about an hour after I installed it, it suddenly went crazy because <laughs> everything happened. <laughs> That's funny. Um yes, uh free agency as you note has uh kicked into gear. Uh the 2020 NFL year has officially begun. And of course, most importantly, Tom Brady is a buccaneer. So, you know, business as usual, right? Yeah, well, I hope you're ready because the Bucks two-decade dynasty is about to take off. Is that how it works? Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure. That's what everyone in the media is telling me. So they they just have they just have Tom Brady on their team, and so they're going to be yeah, good yeah. for two for just two, 20 years. It doesn't matter how old he is. So I'm definitely <laughs> pumped up to watch Tampa Bay lose every other Super Bowl. Yeah, with you know the goat under center, while sure. he's like collecting Social Security mm-hmm. and continuing to try to trick everybody successfully most of the time into thinking he's still an above average starting NFL quarterback. But more than anything on that, I'm just glad that all of the Brady first Garoppolo talk is now finally over. Yes. And even more importantly in that regard, uh, Kirk Cousins signed himself a little extension in Minnesota. So that conversation can also be over. Because if this had been his final year of his contract and he was playing in a lame duck year again, We'd have had to go through that whole thing all year. And every time that Garoppolo had a rough outing or, you know, Cousins had a great game and Garoppolo was like, eh, um, we were going to have to hear that again. But thankfully, hopefully that conversation should be over for at least a couple more years. Yeah, that's definitely good news. For sure. Because barring him being catastrophically bad this year and they somehow end up with like the number one overall pick and they're like, oh, Trevor Lawrence, you can come play for us now. I, I just think Garoppolo is playing out at least the, the length of the original contract that he signed. I just think there's 
no way that, that that's not happening at this juncture. Yeah, I, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't because he's playing pretty well and winning lots of games. Absolutely. So until he stops doing that, then he's my guy. For sure. Well, let's just take a few moments here to go through the transactions because as you alluded to, our expectations were, and we talked about this very specifically, how we were like, the Niners aren't going to do anything. Nothing's going to happen. This is going to be a really boring, dull free agency period. They don't have any money to spend. If they spend any money, they're going to spend it on their own guys. There was the whole deal with the collective bargaining agreement, which got taken care of literally at the at the last minute freed up a little bit more space for the Niners to, to kind of mess with. And then things got nuts. And so a lot of things that happened. I actually have it slightly in reverse. So I think the first thing that happened was that Armstead got his new contract, right? Yeah. That was the, the first thing out the gate. And then I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> what about Buckner? <laughs> yeah. Um, and we were like, okay, because the initial numbers, and of course we have 49er fans in the last 10 years or so, we've had to pay attention to be like, okay, these initial numbers mean nothing because Prague Marate is a wizard. But still, you go, oh, five years, 85 million. Oh, oh boy. And then you start freaking out and you're like, oh, what are we doing? Like, what, how, how do we, how did this happen? We don't have any money. And then things got real batty. Um, and uh, the immediate conversation after Armstead signed that contract or the announcement of that was something weird is going to happen. It involves a defensive lineman in the NFL. And it's going to be a pretty big trade. And then lo and behold, it was involving the 49ers and former 49er. Now, I guess I should say DeForest Buckner, uh, who was sent to the Colts for the number 13 overall pick in this year's draft. So pretty interesting trade there. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. So those two uh, things have happened. Armstead's salary numbers came out. It's actually a very interesting contract that features a cap hit of just $6 million in 2020, which is pretty smart. Uh, it backloads the uh, deal in a so we've we we spent a bunch of years in the first couple of years with with Lynch and Shanahan where the deals were all front loaded like let's just see if we can get get through these first couple of seasons hopefully we'll get better over the course of this time and some of the players that we signed at the beginning are not going to be needed well now they're thinking we don't have as much cap space so we got to backload deals and have all the money come up later when supposedly the as we talked about before the salary cap could just get crazy within the next couple of years depending on uh, what TV deals do. There's a kind of an interesting out after 2022. It doesn't really count as an out, although technically it is. There's an $11.5 million cap hit if they decide to release him at that point. I doubt that happens. Um, and there's also, uh, which is this is the first time I think I've ever seen this from a Ford Niners contract. There's like this, I'll call it like a phantom sixth year that has like a million and a half dollar cap hit. Um, and that would be literally all that would be left of the contract on the sixth year, but it would be a, a team option that they could hold him hold on to. I doubt he makes it to that point. I think it'll be like 32 by the time that sixth year kicks in, but they'd be able to to kind of get out of that. I think it's actually like a player option where if they don't sign him to a long-term contract, then oh. he's a free agent, but then the Niners would take the cap hit in that sixth year. Oh. Definitely is sort of weird. It's a different thing that you don't really see very often. No. But um, hey, if it saves some money, I mean, it still will count eventually. But theoretically, they'll either have cut him before that or they'll have restructured a deal that will get him more of his money in like signing bonuses or something like that three or four years down the line before it gets to year six. So that's not really a big deal. The 49ers also brought back safety Jimmy Ward, three-year deal. Again, it looked initially like a three-year, $28.5 million deal. Uh, but the cap hit for 2020 is just $4.5 million with an out after the 2020 
one season with a dead cap hit of just $2.6 million. So there's a lot of money coming at him either in that third year of the deal. It's pretty, it's a pretty heavy deal after the, and the third year. And there's also a lot of money coming through bonuses and stuff like that that make the total amount look a lot higher than it is. And I believe we'll talk about that more in detail in a little bit. 49ers also brought back Ronald Blair and Sean Coleman on one-year deals, both coming off injuries that they should hopefully be ready to go training camp, especially with, well, if we have training camp, uh, <laughs> for Sean Coleman, especially his injury will have been well more than a year away by the time uh, preseason starts. So that will be coming up. Tendered restricted free agent contracts, uh, second round tenders to both Kendrick Bourne and Matt Breida. Hooray. <laughs> so that happened. So we were wrong about that. Oh, we said Bourne would be in, but Breida, we were, I think is a little surprising. Yeah. I was hoping, hoping, right. but wasn't believing. Right. Um, and then um, from that, after that, it was just mostly like small deals for players that are going to fill the 90-man roster at worst, but uh, filling depth at, at best. Wide receiver Travis Benjamin, pass rusher Kerry Heider, and offensive lineman Tom Compton. The one unfortunate bit of news is that the team did lose Emmanuel Sanders to the Saints, which personally is about the last place I would have liked him to go. When the whole conversation was, oh, he's probably going to Dallas, I was like, oh, okay, fine. Sure, go to Dallas. That's That's great. You can go over there. They're kind of a dumpster fire in a lot of ways. But the Saints thing, and I don't love that personally. But Chris, any general thoughts about uh, the moves that they made thus far? First off, I really wouldn't worry about the Saints as long as Taysom is there. So I have full faith in Sean Payton finding new ways to misuse him and lose games. But you know, the one thing about the Saints is they're about to enter some serious salary cap hell in 2021. So they're definitely going all in this season. I mean, they're, they're going to be in big trouble after this year, unless the cap is raised like twice as much as we think it's going to be raised. So I would never wish this upon him, but maybe with a Taysom injury, they could be somewhat of a threat to the Niners this year. I do agree with you that at least with Breeze under center, that does make their offense look very dangerous. So hopefully we'll keep Breeze off the field as much as possible when we play them. Yeah, we do have to play them again. It's another regular season game in New Orleans, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We play them once or twice. Hopefully have lots to taste them and not so much Breeze. Well, back to the Niners news, because this is still a 49ers podcast, right? I think so, yeah. Despite yeah. my efforts to turn this into yeah, a yeah. Taysom Hill podcast. Okay, <laughs> But don't worry, we will eventually get there. <laughs> the plan is in place. My general thoughts about the team's free agent moves... Trading Buckner makes me sad, but I get it. I mean, it's the correct financial move. It's just going to be sort of weird seeing him in another uniform, and I'm glad that we trade him to the AFC where we won't have to play him very often because I'm sure that when we do play him, it won't be good. <laughs> I was a little bit surprised they didn't let Ward test free agency, just like we discussed last week, but the Niners apparently felt that they needed to lock him up. As long as he stays healthy, which is like this is the part where you're supposed to laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a decent contract, but I would have liked to see more than was I think 1.5 million in roster bonuses. He's the kind of guy that injured so often that I just max out that game bonus. But you know, essentially, it ended up being I think a two year deal for nine and a half million a year, which is pretty close to what he got two years ago. And then it has that third year option for another. Nine and a half million dollars. And apparently he turned down a 10 million a year contract from the Raiders to stay in San Francisco. So I like that. So we get to keep another key contributor on defense on the squad. So I like the fact that he took a little less. It's not so much money, but 1.5 million to 1.5 million. So 
it's sort of nice that he wanted to stay with the team and finish what he started. So that's good. And then finally, Lynch and Shanahan, do they double down or do they triple down on Armstead? <laughs> but it's definitely a risky move. He's been inconsistent. He's been injured a lot. He's got to stay healthy and he really needs to produce like he did last season. If he continues to be a 10 sack guy, then it's a great move. But if he reverts back to his former self, both when he was playing sometimes and you know, when he was not able to play, then the Niners will have a pair of guys who average two sacks a year at defensive end in Armstead and Thomas, who average a combined salary of $26 million per year over the remainder of their contracts. Of course, Thomas' is just one year. Four sacks, twenty-six million. That's what six and a half million per <laughs> sack. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah, I think that a forty-three-year-old Tom Brady could probably do that, and he actually may have to if the Bucks plan on being contenders this year. <laughs> I mean, I think I generally agree with that sentiment. I think my my one sort of quibble with that is I don't think that Armstead necessarily needs to be a, like a ten-sack guy. I think the big thing that for him is going to be maintaining the ability to sort of create pressures. Cause obviously the sack numbers are, are sacks can be sort of false statistics anyway. Like thinking about Buckner, for example, like he had 12 and a half sacks two years ago and he only had like what seven this year or something. But would we make an argument that he had less of an impact on the, on the defense last season because he had five fewer sacks? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I'm totally with you on that. It's just the general way that we measure quarterback pressures without actually measuring quarterback <laughs> pressures because it's harder to do right unfortunately <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm totally with you on that yeah and i and i think um thing to remember is that he actually had a pretty good 2018 it wasn't like the sort of big massive breakout that 2019 was yeah. so if he can sort of stay on that track even if he doesn't necessarily do the same as 2019 or if his numbers look different or whatever i think there's a good chance that it'll be worth the money and, you know, obviously the big thing was that he just could keep everybody at this point. And he was obviously willing to work with the team to come up with, with a deal that would help both him and the team. And Buckner, for all intents and purposes, said, I want Aaron Donald money. And the Niners said, sorry, we can't do that. <laughs> it kind of seems what it came down to. And it doesn't, which isn't to say, because I don't want this to be what people hear. This is not a they chose one over the other kind of thing. This was they worked with what they were able to work with and they got the best thing that they could out of the situation. That's kind of my, my thought on it. Yeah. Buckner's in his prime. He's selling himself on a high. So if he wants to make huge money, this is when he has to do it. So he goes to a team that will pay him huge money. So I, I don't blame him. Um, there are no bad feelings or anything like that. And I think for the vast majority of Niner fans, they're just, just sort of sad, yeah. but they understand it. So you know, it's just the way that it is. It's business, you know? Right. And if you think about, like, if they had reversed it, let's say that, that Buckner had been willing to work with the team and uh, Armstead had not. Armstead had said, you know, no, I'm getting my $19 million or whatever, and that's just the way it is. They would not have gotten a first-round pick for Eric Armstead. There's just no two ways about it. They ended up making the trade that got them the most back in return. Yeah. Whether or not they got rid of the better player or not, which is probably the case, um, is a but I mean, the, and those two things connect to each other, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you trade the lesser player, you might have gotten a third rounder for Armstead, maybe third, fourth. I don't know. Yeah, maybe a combination of later round picks, but not a first round pick <laughs> in this year's draft, anyway. 
Yeah, definitely. And it really depends on who they draft at 13 or if they move back and what kind of contributor that person is. And then obviously you're saving some money. You have Armstead and a 13 and you're giving up Buckner's huge salary. So overall, it's the right move. It's just sort of sad. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, with that in mind, we are actually going to uh, transition into bringing back the one up, one down. We didn't talk about it for the game that shall not be named. So I think the last time we talked about it was the NFC Championship game, which was a great game. I loved that. Let's go back. Let's play that game all the time. More ups, more ups. Um, we love it. Um, so we're, we're going to talk one up, one down for these moves. For me, again, as we, we talked about, my up is going to be the Buckner trade. I, as we said, I don't love it. Do I wish that we could have kept him around? Yes, absolutely. He's a great player that helped make that defensive line be great. But as you said last time, one of the negative things about being a great football team is that your players are also great and tend to want more from you as an organization in terms of financial things. And you can't keep everybody. So that's just kind of the way it is. And so like we said, like I already said, they got the most out of him in return. And so that's how that worked. Definitely wish him the best in Indianapolis uh, minus winning any games against the 49ers, and especially if that happens to be a Super Bowl matchup on that <laughs> line. I don't know. It could happen. You never know. But it's hard to argue with the return on investment that we got. You spent a high first-round pick on a guy, and then five years later, you get roughly the same pick back, which you got, you got to like. From a business standpoint, if, a fo- if football teams could do that on the regular, they would do it all the time. Like, yeah, can we trade Solomon Thomas for the number three pick, please? Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, if that was a thing that you could do, every NFL team would do that almost every time, unless you have gobs of cap space. But under normal circumstances, if you can say, I have this first round pick, because what, what was he? He was seven, number seven or something like yeah. that. And now we have number 13 in return. It's tough. Don't like seeing him leave because of the type of player that he is and the quality of player that he is. But I think it, it it's a nice a return on investment in that regard. And of course, a lot of it is going to come down to how the 49ers and John Lynch and company use the pick. I think it puts them in a very interesting position given the quality of players in this draft um, and also allows them the opportunity to, to move around if they want to because they now have two first-round picks and people like first-round picks and uh, I think they can make some moves. So that's my up. Chris, what about you? Well, I can't really give the Buckner trade my up just because, well, you first you picked him. And second of all, because he's just such a key member of the defense, and I miss him so. But like I said, I can see why the team felt the need to do it financially, and it was the right move. And hopefully Armstead stays healthy and Sally starts playing like a first-rounder, like now, because this is it. You need to do it now. I mean, if he played like a fifth-rounder, I'd be thrilled at this point. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, I'm just trying to stay positive over here. Hey, don't laugh at me. I'm allowed to go off brand every once in a while. So another nice thing about the trade is it dropped the Niners down from first to fifth in defensive line positional spending over the next two years. So they are no longer spending a quarter of their cap on their defensive line, but they're slated to shoot back up to first again after that for the next two years so the team's gonna have to make some difficult decisions going forward i mean i think the thomas decision is not gonna be very difficult but they still have a lot of money invested in the guys up front and they still probably need to add a couple guys up front so you know it's gonna be an issue going forward with some of these large contracts and some of these really good players but they did 
move in the right direction in lowering the overall amount of money that they spend to that position group. So that's a good thing. My up is Lynchahan tendering my man running back Matt Breida with a second round qualifying offer, which will pay him 3.25 million this season, I believe. But if another team wants to go sign him to a long-term deal and give us a second rounder that they can go for it. But I just didn't want to lose him for nothing. Like it seemed like we were going to, we're just going to let him go and someone's going to pick him up and he was going to run for 1200 yards or whatever. And I was going to be angry at every yard he ran. And the other thing is the on the street is he is on the trading block for a mid-round pick. So if they get anything less than a third round, I won't really like it. But I'm pretty sure that Tevin Coleman will like it a lot. <laughs> I'm still not sure if he's going to end up on the team when the season starts. But at least you're getting something reasonable for him. Well, hopefully you're getting something reasonable for him. Or he does find his way onto the roster and Coleman can go somewhere else. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like the move too, if only because letting him go for nothing feels like it would have been a waste of the time that they put and invested into him. Granted, he, as we talked about, he was like at the bottom of the bottom of the running back depth chart at the end of last year. But you never know. Things can change. Um, of course, that the running back room is pretty full right now, and there's just going to be some really interesting things going on with him and Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon, who looks like he's going to get an opportunity to at least make the team, which is another move that happened recently. They uh, restructured his contract with essentially rolls all, a lot of his money into like bonuses and that sort of thing. The remainder of his guaranteed money and, and something. And basically his uh, salary is like the veteran minimum for however long he's been around, which is a move I like as well. But there's, there's just a lot of bodies in that running back group. And like you say, the conversation about trading Matt Breida has got to start with, well, it's got to be at least a third round pick. But I would even start with, look, you're going to get a second round pick. You can either trade us a second round pick or you can just have him for a second round pick. So the conversation should probably start there for any compensation as, as far as that's concerned. All right. So on to the down for the moves here. Uh, for me, I, I think losing Sanders is the biggest bummer um, of the group. The other moves are kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, those sort of middling bottom of the roster guys that probably aren't going to end up impacting people very much at all. And losing Sanders was a, was a bummer, especially losing him to a, another contender in the NFC. But I think the thing that bothered me the most is when the numbers came back, it it didn't feel like that much money. Um, it's uh, reportedly the, the contract has two years, $16 million. We'll look and see how they sort of structured that. But given the way that the 49ers handle these salary cap things with Prague Marate, I have to think that a salary in that neighborhood would have been possible, even if it had been something like, I don't know, like a heavy incentive kind of contract where he could, where it looked like 10 million total, but he could make up to 16 million. I I don't know. It just, the number, given the fact that we were thinking it was going to be more in the, like the, the 10 to 12 range, the number per year, the number that it ended up being kind of made me go, well, why did we not at least make, I mean, we don't know. There could have been conversation, but it seemed like they weren't out because it was going to be too expensive, but they were out for another reason. And we don't know what that reason was. It could have been, maybe they decided, you know what, we just want to go younger at the position and see what we can do. Who knows? Of course, they could also draft a star at 13. Everything could be fine. It's it's possible, I think, sure, um, but I think banking on a rookie to come in and just be like the number your number one receiver right off the bat is probably 
uh, you know, playing with fire a little bit and putting, you know, a risk at the beginning for the beginning of the year. Um, Debo Samuel obviously was great last year, but most uh, like his best games in the, in, in that second part of the year, once Sanders was around was really when his, like it seemed to click for him and he kind of came into his own. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it seems a little risky to me and I, it concerns me a little bit, uh, because we're kind of like, oh, well, here's some other veteran guys that are probably not even going to make the team. There's just a lot of things that could happen. So uh, that's my down. Chris, what do you think? My honorary mention down wasn't specifically losing Sanders, but either not replacing him or potentially replacing him with like the man, the myth, Travis Benjamin, who's basically like a poor man's Marquise Goodwin. And unfortunately, Goodwin looks like he is on his way out now. However, Benjamin's saving grace is Shanahan did used to coach him in Cleveland, which means like per some obscure California law, like Shanahan is somehow like legally obligated to sign him. Yeah. Like he is all, all players that he coached previously. Yeah, seems yeah, like Even it. though he was the Browns, I think, number five receiver who did like next to nothing when Shanahan was coaching him. So I am not a California barred attorney. <laughs> But right. I don't know. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm hoping that they have very little expectation for Benjamin and he's more of a camp body than a solution of some sort because I don't know what the problem is if he's the solution to it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So true story, when I when that first came out and I just saw his name, I, I you know living in the Carolinas, I immediately thought my mind went to Kelvin Benjamin. And I was like, what in the world are we doing? Like, well, that guy's like, <laughs> real tall and stuff, but he's also like hundred pounds overweight and slow and lazy. So I don't understand. And then I realized it was a different person. So there we go. That's my story. Sorry, Travis for confusing you with the other. I don't guy. know if it's worse or better though. I, I, don't uh, I think it's better know. probably. <laughs> yeah. Maybe from like a locker room standpoint. So my official down is going to be very obvious to you and all of our regular listeners. And that is how a uh, handled the 49ers interior offensive line problem. And somehow they made it worse by swapping a bunch of like 31 to 32 year old journeyman offensive linemen around doing something at this point that doesn't make a lot of sense. It only leads me to think that they have future plans because I hope that they're not planning on going with it, what they have right now. So they got rid of Mike Person, who did play for Shane Inn in Atlanta. So a little bit worried that he was going to get in trouble for that. But then we re-signed Ben Garland, who played for... Shane in Atlanta as well. So I've been told by sources that some type of loophole in the California law. So Shane's probably okay. But then just to make sure that he was okay, the Niners signed Tom Compton from the Jets, who, I mean, he can't play center, but he did play for Shane, not only in Atlanta, but in Washington as well. So like, he wins. Like, I mean, he, he just, he trumps the other two, even though he's not really big, that good at football. And then Shanahan wins because now he's in the clear you know, for releasing person, which I didn't think was allowed. <laughs> However, I don't think that the 49ers won because they're going to be in deep trouble if any of these guys are forced to start week one. So the Niners need to pick up an interior lineman at some point, and that's probably going to be in the draft. And maybe it doesn't have to start day one, but he needs to be a guy who has an upside and isn't playing well into his 30s and has only played a handful of years because he has a hard time making the team because we just have too many of those guys right now on our offensive line. So that is my official down. It's just that whole fiasco. And I really don't know what the 
obsession is with Garland. And I understand that he's a little bit cheaper, the person, but then just adding Compton, I'm like, why? So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, for what it's worth, I think Dan Brunskill is the leader heading into the clubhouse. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, so. For the starting spot there at right guard, I, I just don't see any, like, I don't know why you bothered, like, bringing him back in if you're just going to put him back on the bench, honestly. He's significant. I don't think he's significantly younger, but he's several years younger than any of the other options I mean, here. They could be his father. And I just think he's going to give you the most um, as far as that is concerned. Now, obviously, the other thing to keep in mind with all of these offensive linemen things is that the the new rule that will kick in this year is that they can actually dress an additional offensive lineman on game days. So they can have like... Yeah, but we should probably do a good... Right, though. yeah. But I, I'm just saying, like, as far as the reason that we're bringing all of these people in, is it just like... At this point, there's a good chance that Compton especially is just sort of like, hey, here's somebody that's on our team. And like, I, I don't know. I, I fully expect that they'll draft an interior offensive lineman or the conversation has also been in other places that they're going to draft a tackle who could be Joe Staley's heir apparent and start him at guard in the interim and then slide him back over to tackle. So we'll see how that goes. That could be in play as well. So mm-hmm. something. I think certainly offensive line needs to be on the uh, on the wish list. So please something. <laughs> Speaking of uh, the wish list, uh, we are going to uh, dig into uh, the draft more uh, on our next episode where we'll start talking about what uh, specific moves the, the Niners can do uh, with their draft picks and that sort of thing. But uh, in a sort of general sense, uh, as free agency is winding down, I think pretty much at this point, all the major signings have happened. Pretty much everybody except for Jameis Winston is, <laughs> and oh, now poor Cam Newton uh, are taken care of. What a weird thing, by the way, um, <laughs> that we're normally at a time where all the big names are off the board. But here we have two starting quarterbacks in the NFL that have, well, you know, arguably uh, <laughs> that are still available at this juncture. So, like one, one and a half, maybe. Yeah, yeah one and a half. I think it's fair. Um, so thinking about uh, where the Niners are in terms of their roster, uh, as free agency is winding down, what, Chris, do you think are major needs that the Niners have heading into the draft? Well, and I'm sure that Peter will be happy that I am selling this, but I wrote a mock offseason piece on NinerNoise.com right before free agency began where I discussed this at length. So you should definitely check that out on NinerNoise.com. And surprisingly, I was spot on with all of the 49ers offseason moves, um, except for everything they've done so far in free agency. So, yeah, I, I have a... <laughs> well, who could have seen that coming, honestly? I left myself with a little bit of a wiggle room for improvement in the future. So in free agency, you know, I discussed adding a pass catcher, but I didn't mention Benjamin. But I did mention like Perryman, Rob, Robbie Anderson, possibly you know, Gabriel, just for the shanty coaching points in California or maybe even a tight end like Delaney Walker whose jersey is still hanging up in my closet just in case you know so he's a guy who I believe is still on the market I don't think he was signed today so not that I'm aware of yeah and he's a guy who last time he played when he was an injured was pretty good so he would be a nice secondary option now that we don't have totally Olio any longer so in addition to that, I did a three-round mock draft, and I started off with the 49ers exchanging a handful of picks with the Broncos to move back into the second round and then up into the third round so I could do a three-round mock draft because otherwise I couldn't. So with the... Uh, <laughs> It'd be one pick and yep, then we're exactly. done. <laughs> and take a nap. So 
with the 13th overall pick, you know, I look for a potential elite wide receiver prospect, which is, of course, the guy you know, all the fans want. And there are a lot of elite wide receiver prospects. You might be actually be able to get one with your second first round pick or if you trade back in the second round. But I was looking at guys like Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb, and otherwise the Niners could potentially go with someone like Henry Ruggs, who's very highly rated among analysts, but it's a guy I'm not a huge fan of. They could also go, like you said, the Staley of the future route, who's going to play card, because there could be some pretty decent tackles on the board there. But uh, either way, the 49ers somehow need to draft an immediate contributor at a wide receiver who can hopefully become a number one wide receiver in the future. In the second round, I had the 49ers aiming to improve their secondary with a, a cornerback, perhaps a guy who's a bit too raw for the first round, but wouldn't have to start on day one because we have lots of corners and could you know, compete for a starting role in 2021. So my first choice was a guy who I couldn't pronounce his last name. I was going to say, I'm looking forward yes. to you trying this. Go for um, it. Let me try. Noah Igbig. Igbinagini? Yeah, I don't know. That sounded right. Igbinagini? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy. From Auburn, who certainly needs a nickname. and is. <laughs> so, we'll call him Iggy. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's what Auburn's head coach when, when they were asking him, him about it. In a press conference at first, he's like, uh, I can't pronounce his name, so we'll just call him Iggy. Oh, so perfect. I don't know if that is his nickname, but I will not be calling him whatever his real <laughs> last name is, however it's really pronounced. So... Like I said, he definitely needs a nickname, and Iggy sounds good to me. And he's certainly raw after starting out his college career as a wide receiver and not a cornerback. So he's a guy who has you know all the physical tools and a guy who can hopefully blossom into a lead corner who could maybe eventually become Sherman's replacement in a year or two. So some other options are um, Stefan Diggs' younger brother, Trevion, even though it's not spelled that way who grew up in the next town over from me, actually, but chose to go to Alabama over Maryland at the last minute. Who knows why? But I'm not better. Maybe I'm still a little better. And I guess Alabama is an okay football school, and it's, like, decently coached on defense. A little bit. Anyway, and Maryland is Maryland. So otherwise, the third option on my list was HHRL out of Clemson, just in the hopes of, you know, one of these three guys slide into the top half of the second round. And that would be a situation where we'd trade out of the back half of the first round into the front half of the second round in order to get, you know, some extra draft capital in the third and fourth round. In the third round of my mock draft, I went with four potential guards who could potentially step in and start day one, but were also versatile enough to back up at other positions, usually center, but there were uh, one or two tackles. Basically looking for more versatile guys who can perform different functions in the first year. So, and actually basically anything we can do to keep Garland off the field and Compton off the final 53-man roster. So <laughs> you can check out that article on NinerNoise.com for more of that in-depth offensive alignment analysis that you crave <laughs> so badly. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you going to you know, uh, work on, I think you should just write an entire, just it's the whole thing about uh, 
about offensive line play. I think that'd be really the way to go. Yeah, yeah when uh, we were handing out assignments on the uh, fan-sided draft analysis team, I'm like, please don't offensive line. I'm like, oh man, that, that's just horrible. Yeah, I mean, unless you really like it, not so exciting. Just you know, the uh, the highlights are not that exciting at all. Like, yay, you didn't allow your guy to sack the quarterback. Good work. <laughs> Got to really get into depth and footwork and arm length and such and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah I think uh, that that all sounds good to me. And we'll uh, again, we'll uh, break down some specific, uh, more specific directions that that we could go uh, next time we talk about the the draft. I'm sure we'll we'll chat about that in more great detail. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, you can school me on your college football knowledge. Uh, for me, very limited. Very I think, limited. Yeah, <laughs> for me, I, I, I think the the number one thing it's got to be a, a wide receiver um what did i hear the other day this will be their their 18th uh draft in a row drafting a wide receiver of at some point in the draft uh when they inevitably take one uh either at number 13 or trading back in the second round or at number 31 or whatever they decide to do um they're definitely gonna gonna take somebody or well, I'll say and or, <laughs> because I think they're going to need to probably do both in this case, honestly, uh, a wide receiver and a second tight end who can actually provide support for Kittle as opposed to like, you know, Ross Dwelly is fine. But if we can upgrade at that second tight end position, I think that would be really helpful in preserving our all pro tight end and not like burning him out over the course of the next couple of years because they're about to pay him a lot of money. And it would be nice if he could, you know, be healthy and be able to play all the games on that contract yeah one problem with that is that there really aren't a lot of good tight ends this year so yeah yeah and so i mean who knows we'll, we'll maybe see there's that conversation about what as a uh, chase claypool the guy from is he notre dame um who's apparently like the size of a tight end and could be sort of a move tight end option i don't know it's an option we'll see anyway um that's neither here nor there so look I, I understand that we have a lot of players in that wide receiver group at this point. It's really crowded um, in that in that room. Hopefully it's really big and they have a lot of space. I think they're up to like 10 guys already and <laughs> they're not even under the 90-man roster yet. Um, but when you look at the group, you got to be a little bit concerned, maybe a little bit more, a little, little more than concerned because we look at the group and we're, we're like, who? Okay, so you go through it and you're like, all right, who are the locks that are definitely going to make the roster? So Debo Samuel is going to make the roster, right? He's good. Um Kendrick Bourne is going to make the roster unless somebody signs him away from us. Oh, please. <laughs> um, I don't see that happening. He doesn't seem like he would be lured by that. That is not going um, to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's going to be on the team. So that's good. So yeah. my birthday is not until October. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Bourne is in. Um, I think we could probably call Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd both locks provided that they're healthy. But that's yeah, question marks yeah. in both cases. I think the herd one worries me more than than Trent Taylor at this point. But who's to say? But that's four guys out of at least six, maybe seven uh, receivers that are going to be on the roster, depending on how how the numbers shake out. Um, and really, only two that you can count on as we sit here in this moment. We have Dante Pettis, who I, I don't know. <laughs> that, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know either. It doesn't make any sense. Like literally I don't know. Like the reason the only reason that I can justify well there's two reasons I guess that I can I, I have one too. So let's see if you have my reason. Go ahead. That I can justify keeping him on the roster and that's because they lose money if they cut him. Oh, the, oh that's the only reason why you would keep him on the roster. 
That's the first thing. Okay. I, I think the only reason I would cut him is because he loves cats so much. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the reason you keep him on the roster is because you lose money if you cut him. The other reason is, is it fair to judge somebody after like basically two years? Not even two years. He hasn't even played two full seasons in all reality. Who knows what's going on? There's definitely something going on beyond field stuff with him because he's not getting on the field. And so it's it's just weird. So I don't know. So maybe he's your fifth guy. He certainly has the ability to do good things. We just aren't seeing it. Yeah. After his first year, you know, we're thinking wide receiver two at a minimum, just sort of like he, the role that he played in Washington. And, you know, and yeah. then something happened. <laughs> what that is. We have no idea, but you know, the Fortnite have a lot of question mark guys. Yeah, and then they and people who are good, then they disappear. Like Marquise Goodwin, who's yeah. also on the list of players, who is just like, yeah, yeah. If if he like, here's the thing: if Marquise Goodwin could somehow get to the player that he was his first year in San Francisco, that solves so many problems because it takes care of this whole oh we don't have the veteran leader in the in the wide receiver group problem. It takes care of who's our third starter. Provided that, you know, if we get, let's say, for instance, that Jerry Judy is available or if CD Lamb is available and they are able to jump in and be starters from day one, then we have Lamb slash Judy, Debo, and Bourne. No, hopefully not. I mean, ideally, it's Debo, Judy slash Lamb, and Marquise Goodwin with Trent Taylor coming in as the fourth. Marquise Goodwin being good and being on the team would be, would solve a lot of problems. But it, I, I don't know what happened with him either. Um, yeah, because, I mean, he really didn't know how to play wide receiver coming into, um, when did we get him, 2017? Yeah. And you could see sort of the, some of the qualities in him as, as a receiver, and he had a lot of the physical attributes, uh, other than the size, of course, but the speed. And, and you know, I mean, just he, there, there were some good things about him, even though the, the Bills just don't know what to do with what or they, or they, I mean back then they had n- no idea what they were doing with wide receivers <laughs> they didn't from yeah which is proven by the fact that like all the yeah. wide receivers that they had on the roster at the time were all like now pro bowl candidates <laughs> so it's like it's crazy <laughs> but you know coming into that first year he learned so quickly from Shannon and he still wasn't a complete receiver I mean he, he was he was on his way up and just I mean like, like we said last week it was you know that one hit and then all his personal issues I don't know I just I hope he's okay mentally, but you know, then and then now he's apparently all upset that, that you know, he's going to be traded or let go. And uh, yeah, it's it's like we want you. You're really good sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, unfortunately, he's yeah, he may be gone here soon. Who knows? So we got you know two locks to make the roster that are going to be that seem like they're going to be con- decent to high quality contributors. Two locks to make the roster that are maybe healthy pro- health problems. Two players who seem to have fallen off the face of the earth in terms of their ability to produce on a football field. We have Richie James. I don't. I have no idea. We've talked about that at great length. Like <laughs> he does good things when he gets the ball. Why don't we? I don't understand. Um, and then we have you know Chris Thompson, Sean Poindexter, and Travis Benjamin, who are probably guys that aren't going to crack the fifty-three man roster when it's all said and done. Uh, so that's pretty much the group. Not a lot. Though. Yes, there are a lot of people there. The quality of the group is suspect, and that's why I was concerned about Emmanuel Sanders going. That's why I was concerned, as you noted, that we didn't do a better job of bringing somebody in, even if it was, you know, someone who had 
a history of contributing at a higher level off the, you know, in free agency, even if it wasn't a high tier kind of player, I feel like there were some better options besides like a Travis Benjamin. So yeah, yeah. didn't Perryman and then Robbie Anderson both get signed today? Robbie Anderson was, I think yesterday, uh, he's coming here to Carolina actually, um, in a move that I don't understand because I don't understand if the Panthers want to be good or not this year. I don't really think it matters because they're (laughs) not going to be. Oh, they're a third place team in this division in their division at best at this point. Like, unless Brady literally falls off a cliff possible, but dynasty, (laughs) they're probably, yeah, I I just don't, I, I mean, it's possible, but yeah, but anyway, um, yeah. So I think the move for me has got to be if you have one of those top guys, especially if it's uh, Jerry Judy or Ceedee Lamb, you grab them at thirteen and you don't look back. If they are gone, there have got to be some contingency plans. But I think you start thinking about nabbing up some draft capital. Supposedly one of the best wide receiver drafts in a long, 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 long time, maybe ever. Um, if depending on who you talk to. And I think they need to take advantage of this and shoot. I don't, I don't care if we have 10 of them already or whatever the number is, eight or nine or 10 or whatever. If we have an opportunity to get two, of, if we get one in the first round and we trade out of the, at a 31 and get a couple of mid round picks and then we grab another one in the third round, whatever. I at this point, may the best man win. That's kind of my theory on this. Um, I don't care how young yeah, they yeah, are, except for James, because you know, he's not going. He's not going to win no matter what he does. But for everybody else, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's my thought on that. So yeah, I'm totally with you. It's like like we said last week. We need a veteran, and we need an incoming rookie. And we haven't gotten a veteran. I mean, we have some veteran-ish players, but we didn't make a move for a veteran, and we let our veteran go. And it's almost forcing them into picking. A wide receiver high in the draft because otherwise they could be in deep trouble. And this, you know, it's like I've always said, it's like you know, don't really want some of these guys that are like in number two and number three roles in that role. Like you want them to be your fourth and fifth guy off the bench, you know, who might not suit up this week or better learn how to play special teams. And then if a guy's hurt, then he can step in. But to have certain guys, you know, be your number three receiver who's on the field almost all the time and just the caliber of wide receiver that you have there. It's like the better the wide receivers are, the better the Jimmy's going to play. The better the Jimmy plays, the more who in games. I mean, it's just, you know, we need receiving options other than Kittle and, and Debo, who's, you know, sort of three quarters receiver and, and one quarter, everything else. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit troublesome, but they could fix it all in the draft. And they could also, I mean, they're sort of running out of players to pick up in free agency, but yeah, that's just sort of like sound a little bit better than Travis Benjamin yeah. as the veteran in the locker room. Well, you know, once they trade uh, that thirty-first pick for for Odell Beckham, we'll all be oh, yeah. we'll be uh, all that, good to go. That's, that's <laughs> the veteran leadership we need. Yeah, uh, you know. I mean, I wouldn't. He seems to like Jimmy, so that yeah, he, 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 does, he does have I a help. man crush on Jimmy. So they they seem to be buddies. So that that could probably. I mean, honestly, I, I, I wouldn't really mind that. I was just just sort no, of not at all. around. Too. I feel like if we were, if he was on our team and, and we went, you know, 12 and four or 13 and three and we're good. Cause he was, when the giant giants had those, a couple of those, you know, playoff seasons when he was there, he was, he was goofy and, and that sort of thing, but he was never like a problem. he only really became a problem when the team got bad. Um, so 
you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, and that's I'm, probably I'm assuming probably that he happening. wants out pretty badly right now. <laughs> yeah, probably. Anyway, all right. Um, well, once again, we have uh, we've done done the work of uh, walking you through the <laughs> loveliness of uh, of Forty Nineers off season. This is, this is a wacky time in the in the world, um, but uh, and it's it's really weird to like turn on ESPN and there's nothing on and it's just like uh, it's a, 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 a veritable wasteland of sports right now it's, it's just weird. a good thing that nfl cares just about the money so you know that they're, that you know they're gonna play you know they're gonna like oh yeah cancel the draft yeah, that'll be really in, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with that we'll talk about that uh next time uh because by then i think we'll probably have a better idea of what their plan what the plan is for the for the draft that'll be exciting we'll get we'll get chatting with that about that uh next time in more detail yeah we, yeah we, we actually have to do a little I, more research yeah. now that we have some Right, because we have right? like one high draft pick and lots of other moves we can make at this particular point. It's it's incredible. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, thanks for listening to the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Uh, please check us out on your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a nice review and hit that subscribe button and share the podcast with your 49er fan friends. So keep digging in. Stay safe out there, everyone. And we will see you next time, Niner fans. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.